1: Go episode 698 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Monday, November 13th, 2023. You know, my mantra for the Commanders lately has been they are in playoff contention, whether you want them to be or not. (laughs) Uh, Believe it or not, their loss on Sunday only dropped them one spot in the NFC playoff standings. The Commanders went from eighth to ninth. Uh, They for this 2023 NFL regular season now are four and six half game behind the four and five Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but now two full games behind the six and four Minnesota Vikings for the NFC's third And final wildcard spot. But yeah, the Commanders remain in playoff contention, whether you want them to be (laughs) or not. Hello and welcome to this Monday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Yeah, the Commanders on Sunday did lose uh, a 29-26 loss at the Seattle Seahawks on kicker Jason Myers' walk-off 43-yard field goal at a uh, rainy lumen field. Uh, The Commanders overcame a 26-19 deficit with less than a minute left in the fourth quarter, but then got worked by, by quarterback Geno Smith and receiver DK Metcalf on the Seahawks' final offensive drive. Bad game for the Commanders defense, but a third consecutive good game for Commanders quarterback Sam Howell. And That, to me, is the number one takeaway if you're a Commanders fan. Coming up on the show, in-depth reaction to and analysis of what went down in the game. Next segment, I'll focus on Sam Howell. After that, I'll address the Commanders defense, as well as some other items from the game, including the woeful clock-slash-timeout management by the Commanders late in the game. You'll also hear key comments from Sam Howell and head coach Rod Rivera. You know, the Commanders, since their 2-0 start to this regular season now, are just two and six. Uh, Next up is a game against the New York Giants at FedEx Field this Sunday afternoon at one. Uh, The Giants fell to two and eight with a 49-17 loss at the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday. And oh yeah, the Commanders are at the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. The Commanders have quite the five-day stretch coming up home to the Giants on November 19th, then at the Cowboys' Uh, November 23rd. That could be a glorious five-day stretch, a five-day stretch in which the commanders go from four and six to six and six and have the Washington, D.C. area on fire. Uh, but of course, <laughs> that also could be a brutal five-day stretch uh also on the show the rest of our washington dc area sports weekend i have a big college football segment for you breakdowns of a wildly successful saturday for the fbs teams of the mid-atlantic region james madison's 44-6 home win over yukon Liberty's 38-10 win over old dominion maryland's 13-10 win at nebraska virginia tech's 48-22 win At Boston College and Navy's 31 6 home win over UAB. A whole lot of winning. Uh, I will talk college basketball, uh, a bad weekend. Maryland uh, as the Terrapins lost both of their games in the 2023 Asheville Championship in Asheville, North Carolina. I'll also discuss Georgetown's 68-67 loss to Holy Cross at Capital One Arena on Saturday night and Virginia's and Virginia Tech's games in the 2023 Hall of Fame series in Charlotte, North Carolina on Friday night. The Cavaliers won. Uh, They beat Florida 73-70, but the Hokies lost. Uh, They fell to South Carolina 79-70. 77. I'll get into the Wizards. Uh, Two losses for them over the weekend. Friday night, a 124-117 loss to the Charlotte Hornets at Capital One Arena in a game in which Delon Wright suffered a left knee sprain and it looks like he'll be out for a while. Sunday afternoon, a 102-94 loss at the Brooklyn Nets in a game in which Balal Kulabali was terrific but the uh, wizards rebounding for a second consecutive game was horrendous <laughs> uh and i will properly salute the capitals uh they over the weekend won each of two road games in regulation on back-to-back days for the first time since november 11th and 12th 2021 friday night a 4-2 win at the new jersey devils saturday night a 4-1 win at the New York Islanders. Don't look now but the Caps are 6-1 one, and 1 since they're 1-3 and one start to this uh, 2023. 2024 NHL regular season. You can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. A lot of feedback on the commanders off their loss at the Seahawks, including on Sam Howell from Ringo on X. Goldie, I've been on the fence with Howell due to the sack problem, but after seeing the last three weeks, I'm ready. Sam Howell is the QB1 of this team and the team needs to build around him. 7 sacks the last 3 weeks compared to 16 the prior 3 weeks shows me enough growth. Thank you for that, Ringo. Uh you know, at this point barring a complete collapse by Sam Howell the rest of this season, he should be the QB1 moving forward as in going into next season and hopefully beyond. And I think that Sam could help to make the commander's front office and head coach openings, assuming that we have them. Uh, very attractive. Uh, from Jay Stavish on X, it's going to be interesting to hear Ron try to play his Sam Howell card again. Ron has been telling us all that we're missing is the quarterback. Now it feels like the quarterback is about the only thing that we do have. What card does Ron play now? Uh, thank you for that, Jay Stavish. Yes, Uh, We on this podcast have been discussing what I call the Ron Rivera playing of the Sam Howell card. Remember, Ron continually plays the Sam Howell card because Ron is trying to save his job. So as long as Sam keeps playing well, Ron is going to keep playing that Sam Howell card. Uh, expect Ron at his day after the game press conference on Monday afternoon to pound <laughs> the Sam Howell card, to pound the Sam Howell drum. Uh, Ron's going to be like Phil Collins pounding the drums on in the air tonight. Uh, from Jake on X, interesting that Ron last season said that we couldn't win the way that other teams in the NFC East won because of, quote, quarterback, end quote. Now we're four and six despite having a quarterback who is playing well. Uh, thank you for that, Jake. Well, the quarterback can only do so much, you know. Sam should have done a better job of covering DK Metcalf on that final Seahawks offensive drive. From Tom McDonald on X, can't wait to get a head coach who knows basic clock management. Uh, thank you for that, Tom. Yeah, I later in the show, we'll be addressing the commander's clock management debacle in the fourth quarter on Sunday. Email from Stanley Evans, right? Stanley, how frustrating must it be for Eric Biennemi and Sam Howell to see Jack Del Rio's defense give up points immediately after every score? The defense continually cannot come up with turnovers or crucial stops. I love that Sam is making progress and looks to be the guy, but we're still finding ways to lose football games. Too many times the commanders went three and out when we could have taken control of the game but failed to do so. All of this is to say that the team is not good enough. We know that. I believe that Josh Harris knows that. It just seems like a slow, painful death waiting for the inevitable to happen. It's exhausting. Sam has to be better, and I believe he will be better. But what matters the most after this season is the continued development of Sam Howell. Josh Harris can't afford to screw this up. If it ain't Eric the enemy, it better be someone better. Thank you for the email, Stanley. You know, you could argue that a game like this loss at the Seahawks actually is the perfect game for the Commanders in the bigger picture. A game in which Sam Howell plays well, but a game that the Commanders lose, thus making the uh, needed change of a new football operations regime that much more likely. There is merit to that line of thinking. I want Sam to quarterback the Commanders to the playoffs, but I do get the perspective of, hey, Sam plays well, but the Manders lose. That's the inside straight that we're looking for right now. And if you are looking for help or counsel with a dermatological problem, (laughs) uh, always know that the great Dr. George Berghese is there for you. Dr. George he is a board certified dermatologist and Moe's surgeon. He is one of the nation's premier dermatologists. He is a big commander's fan and operating under his direction is the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland, which has locations in Waldorf, Maryland, Leonardtown, Maryland, and Lexington Park, Maryland. Uh, Whatever your dermatological needs may be, call 301-396-3401 and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. The Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland focuses on medical skin care, cosmetic procedures, and skin cancer diagnosis and comprehensive care. If you are dealing with allergic reactions, if you're dealing with acne, psoriasis, or eczema, if you're interested in procedures like Botox, laser hair removal, or chemical peels, if you are dealing with skin cancer or have dealt with skin cancer or want to get screened for skin cancer, contact Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. Heck, Dr. Verghese and the Institute offer free skin cancer screenings to anyone considered a new patient. And Dr. Verghese and the Institute offer advanced treatments for skin cancer. Whatever your dermatological needs may be, call 301-396-3401 and make sure that you mention that Algoldesentia. You You can also visit mid-Atlantic Skin. Dot com. That's MidAtlanticSkin.com. For excellent and comprehensive skin care, contact Dr. George Berghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland, and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Hey, thank you to all of you who have given this podcast a five-star rating and who have written nice reviews of the podcast. You on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated, and you on Apple Podcasts can write a review saying that you like the podcast. The review doesn't have to be long. It could be just a sentence or two, but the ratings and the reviews help us out a lot. So. Thank you very much for doing them. Uh, I am not happy that the Commanders lost at the Seattle Seahawks 29-26 on Sunday. A win would have been great. I would have been really happy had the Commanders won. But right now, nothing for the Commanders on the field matters more than what's happening with quarterback Sam Howell. Uh, the bigger picture of Washington potentially having finally found its answer at quarterback, having finally found a franchise quarterback is outstanding. And the importance of that bigger picture cannot be overstated. And take a moment, if you will, to consider this. This calendar year of 2023 for our football team, the ownership change and the team perhaps having found its answer at quarterback. We at the beginning of this year would have all signed up for just one of those things. That we may emerge from 2023 with both of those things is nothing short of spectacular. The two big picture problems for Washington for decades have been ownership and quarterback that (laughs) both may be being solved in this calendar year of 2023 is amazing and thrilling. And so, yeah, I'm not happy that the Commanders lost at the Seahawks, but I find myself not being nearly as unhappy as I otherwise would. If you are a Commanders fan, I don't know how you're not excited, how you're not giddy over what, Is happening with Sam Howell. So he now has had three consecutive big games. You look at what he did in this loss at the Seahawks. He went 29 of 44 for 312 yards, three touchdowns, and no interceptions. He took three sacks. He had two carries for 17 yards and a lost fumble. He quarterbacked a commander's offense that went 7 of 15 on third downs. Now, the Commanders did have a significant offensive lull in this game. Uh, They, over the second and third quarters, had a stretch of six offensive drives for which the results were a loss fumble, four punts, and a field goal. The first three drives of that stretch were three and out, so that was bad. But Sam had a big fourth quarter, and so he ended up having a third consecutive big game. Sam had a clutch touchdown pass late in the fourth quarter. The Commanders, 11th offensive drive, the 10th snap of the drive on a third and 10 for the Commanders at the Seahawks 35. Sam, a 35-yard shotgun touchdown pass to receiver Dayami Brown, who made the catch at the 17 and then raced into the end zone for the touchdown with 52 seconds left in the fourth quarter, a tremendous play by Sam and diami And also on the drive were two other big completions by Sam. Third snap of the drive, the final snap before the second half, two-minute warning. On a third and two for the Commanders at their 37, Sam had an 11-yard shotgun completion to receiver Terry McLaurin on a bullet of a throw. The seventh snap of the drive on a fourth and one. For the Commanders at the Seahawks, 43. Sam had an eight-yard shotgun completion to Terry on a quick throw on a slant across the middle. So think about Sam Howell on this drive: big-time completions on third and two, fourth and one, and third and ten, with the third and ten resulting in the 35-yard touchdown pass to Diami Brown. Uh, Sam had a clutch touchdown pass earlier in the fourth quarter. The Commanders. 10th offensive drive, the 8th snap of the drive on a 1st and 10 for the Commanders at the Seahawks, 19. Sam with the floater, a beauty of a floater, (laughs) uh, for a 19-yard shotgun touchdown pass to running back Antonio Gibson near the front right pylon. The ensuing extra point tied the game at 19, and also on the drive was its 5th snap on a 3rd and 3 for the Commanders at the Seahawks, 39. Sam, a 4-yard shotgun completion, to tight end Logan Thomas. Uh, Sam in this game was tremendous on off-schedule throws. He, on the fourth offensive snap of the game, had a great off-schedule touchdown pass. The commanders' first offensive drive, it was the opening drive of the game. The fourth snap of the drive on a second and eight for the commanders at their 49. Sam, on what ended up being an off-schedule play, took a shotgun snap, looked right, scrambled left, and then with pressure coming, got the ball to running back. Brian Robinson Jr. near the left sideline, and he sprinted for 43 yards after the catch for a 51-yard touchdown reception. What a play that was, uh, and early in the game, super early in the game. Uh, And then Sam on the Commander's seventh offensive drive had another big off-schedule completion of Brian Robinson. Uh, this was the commander's first offensive drive of the second half, resulted in kicker Joey Sly's third-quarter yard field goal for a 12-9 commander's lead. The second snap of the drive on a second and nine for the commanders at their 31. Sam on what ended up being an off-schedule play, took a shotgun snap, and then in scrambling to his left with pressure coming, got the ball to Brian Robinson near the left sideline, and he sprinted 38 yards after the catch. For a 48-yard completion, a near Corbin copy of the touchdown pass, to Brian Robinson. What a game for Commanders running backs from a pass-catching standpoint. Brian Robinson finished with six receptions for 119 yards and a touchdown on six targets. He has a ball carrier, had eight carries for 38 yards. Antonio Gibson had five receptions for 42 yards and a touchdown on six targets. He has a ball carrier, had four carries for 13 yards. Uh, Sam Howell, during his post-game press conference on Sunday evening on the usage of Robinson. And Gibson in this game.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, going in, you know, our, our game plan is to try to get everybody involved. You know, we want to establish the run game pretty early. You know, and they did a good job stopping the run in the first half. Um, so it, it made it tough. Um, you know, they did some good, good job, good, good stuff in coverage as well. And I you know we just got to continue to just find ways to to get people involved. You know, it wasn't uh, coming in. We weren't trying to throw the ball to be robbing ag a, a lot but you know just kind of just kind of how the game goes sometimes and they brought they brought a good amount of pressure there in the first half too and you know i think when we have pressure you know those guys on the check downs are some good some good options um so that was part of it as well but they did a good job um you know there was that one drive in the second half where they ran the ball well and you know we had struggled to run the ball whole, the whole game but that drive you know they just kept kept going and you know line did a good job moving those guys but you know and they gave us a chance today
1: yeah, and then another nice off-schedule completion by Sam Howell in this loss at the Seahawks came on the commander's second offensive drive. Uh, the drive did result in a first-quarter punt, but the second snap of the drive on a second and 10 for the commanders at their 29, Sam had a 13-yard shotgun completion to Terry McLaurin on an off-schedule play on which Sam threw off running To his right. In terms of the bad from Sam Howell uh, in this game, well, a few things. I mentioned the uh, offensive lull for the commanders. uh, Included in that lull uh, was Sam in the third quarter having a lost fumble. Uh, That was no bueno. The commanders' eighth offensive drive was their second offensive drive of the second half, the second snap of the drive on a third quarter, second and five for the commanders at their 30. Sam had a lost fumble on a 15-yard shotgun read option run, what was a really good run until it wasn't. Uh, Sam lost the ball while being tackled to the ground, uh, but the ensuing Seahawks' offensive drive did result in a punt. Uh, here was Sam during his post-game press conference on Sunday evening on his lost fumble.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's tough, obviously, you know, I would— was kind of trying to go down. They were kind of trying to hold me up and, and get at the ball, but, you know, fumbling the football and is, is unacceptable, um, and I got to do a better job taking care of the football. You know, I think I've done a pretty good job in the passing game taking care of it, but I got to I got do it in the running game as well, especially if I'm going to be aggressive like that as a runner. I got to make sure I do my part and take care of the football because, you know, turnovers in, in close games in this league, that those turnovers lose football games. Um, and so luckily our defense made a big stop after the turnover and got us the football back, so it didn't hurt us as bad, but definitely... You know, we kind of we were moving the ball, you know, that was that was a big game for us. So I killed the momentum on that drive. We could have went down and got some points there. But yeah, I mean, the fun fun of the football is unacceptable.
1: All right. Uh, Sam Howell in this loss at the Seahawks did have multiple passes deflected. uh, So we just need to work on doing a better job of finding passing lanes, given his height. Uh, Okay, fine. Uh, I mean, if I'm really being nitpicky, Sam had a bad throw on the final offensive play of the Commanders' third offensive drive. This was the drive that resulted in Joey Sly's second quarter 49 yard field goal for a 9 3 Commanders lead. The ninth snap of the drive on a third and seven for the Commanders at the Seahawks 31. Sam had a shotgun incompletion on which he threw too soon and too hot to Antonio Gibson. Although Gibson could have made the catch, I mean, this was not an impossible uh, pass to catch. But I mean, look, man, Sam Howell is playing well. He is doing a lot of good things. Perfect? No. No quarterback is. But Sam Howell is young and he is ascending. He is getting better. Here was head coach Ron Rivera during his postgame press conference on Sunday evening on Sam Howell.
3: Everything I thought he did, he he, he gave us an opportunity to win. That's the biggest thing you can ask from the quarterback, to put you in position to win. Uh, He did that. Now, you know, there were a couple things that you'd like to have back, obviously. Um, You know, a couple decisions that could have been better, and those are things that, you know, I'm nitpicking, but those are things that he's going to learn he'll get better with. Um, And then the only real big
1: flop that you saw was the fumble, and
3: that was it. I mean, young man played hard, played well, and, again, as I said, just gave us the opportunity at the end.
1: All right, and this was Sam Howell during his post game press conference on Sunday evening. Yeah, it's tough.
2: Um, you know, obviously we kind of, we did some good things there at the end, but I thought you know for the most part our defense played a good game, and we had plenty of opportunities for us to take control of that football game, and we didn't make the plays that were needed. I think you know the game was kind of tied there for a little while, and you know it was it was we were just kind of waiting. Um, it just seemed like we were waiting, someone was going to take control of the game, and, and they kind of took control of it. Um, and you know, I thought our defense kept us in the game, and we just got to find ways when when the game is tied to go out there and make the plays that take control of the football game. And obviously, you know, you don't want to be in a position where we got to go down and make a drive late to, to tie the game. You know, we'd like to be on the other side. Um, so, you know, credit to our defense for most of the game, just keeping us in it. Um, we made some plays down the stretch, but got to be better throughout the game to, to beat good teams like that.
1: Well, here's the bottom line. Sam Howell, over his last three games now, 97 of 141. Uh, That works out to a completion percentage of 68.79. He, over the 141 pass attempts, has thrown for 1,034 yards. That works out to a yards per pass attempt of 7.33. And he, over the last three games, has eight touchdown passes, Versus two interceptions. Really good work. Uh, Just like the work of Nova Fireplace and Stove. Uh, If you are in need of fireplace, stove, or chimney work, and you live in Northern Virginia, get with Nova Fireplace and Stove. Uh, Nova Fireplace and Stove is outstanding. It handles gas fireplace sales service and installation, handles gas, electric, and wood stoves, and handles chimney cleaning and repair. If you live in Northern Virginia, stay warm and upgrade the feel and value of your home with Nova Fireplace and Stove. Call Nova Fireplace and Stove at 571-513-3803. Mention that Al Galdi sent you and receive $1,000 off select in-stock gas inserts and a $1,000 off select in-stock wood inserts. Offer good while supplies last, but this is a tremendous deal. Nova Fireplace and Stove. It has been around for more than 20 years. It is run by big-time Commanders fans, and it has outstanding professionals. Whatever the work That you need done requires Nova Fireplace and Stove has master gas fitter, master electrician, class A contractor, licensed chimney inspector. And because of this, Nova Fireplace and Stove can complete your project without the need for any subcontractors and Nova Fireplace and Stove can pull all of the necessary county permits for the work. That is being done. Additionally, Nova Fireplace and Stove can perform fireplace and chimney safety inspections. See for yourself the work that Nova Fireplace and Stove can do. It is a showroom in Woodbridge, Virginia, and has a terrific website, Nova Fireplace and Stove.com, and take advantage of this special deal for listeners of the Algaldi podcast. Call Nova Fireplace and Stove at 571. 571- 513 Mention that Al Galdi sent and receive $1,000 off select in-stock gas inserts and $1,000 off select in-stock wood inserts. Join the Nova Fireplace and Stove family and experience the fireplace service and care that you deserve. Call 571-513-3803 and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent ya. More now on the Commanders' 29-26 walk-off loss at the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday. The Commanders' defense, uh, not good. Uh, You know, earlier in the day on Sunday was the San Francisco 49ers winning at the Jacksonville Jaguars 34-3, a game in which Chase Young made his Niners debut. Uh, He registered half a sack and two quarterback hits. The uh, 2023 commander's defense with Chase and fellow edge defender Montez Sweat was a big disappointment, as we all know. Uh, Those two guys got traded on 2023, NFL trade deadline day, Halloween, October 31st. And so now we have this commander's defense without... Montez Sweat and Chase Young. The defense figures to be worse. Now, the defense in the 2017 win at the New England Patriots in Week 9 played well, uh, albeit against the Patriots offense that isn't good and was missing some key guys. And by the way, how bad was the Pats offense in that 10-6 loss to the Indianapolis Colts in Germany on Sunday morning? But the commander's defense, Sans Montez, and Chase was facing a big boy offense in that of the Seahawks on Sunday. And the results were not pretty. Uh, The Commander's defense gave up a lot in this game. The Commander's allowed the Seahawks to generate 489 total net yards of offense and to average 6.61 yards per play. Uh, The Commander's allowed Seahawks quarterback Geno Smith to throw for 369 yards on 47 pass attempts. That works out to a yards per pass attempt of 7.85. Gino in this game was off on some throws, but still by the end of the game, he had thrown for three sixty nine and had averaged 7.85 yards per pass attempt. I mean, how about what happened on the Seahawks game-winning drive, which resulted in kicker Jason Myers' 43-yard field goal as time expired in the fourth quarter. The commanders on that drive allowed the Seahawks to march 50 yards in just 52 seconds of game time, giving up Geno Smith shotgun completions of 17 and 27 yards to receiver D.K. Metcalf. Uh, This was a uh, feeble defensive performance by the Commanders on that final Seahawks offensive drive. Uh, The Seahawks' eighth offensive drive. It was their second offensive drive of the second half. The second snap of the drive on a first and 10 for the Seahawks at their thirty-six. The Commanders gave up a 64-yard under center play action touchdown pass by Geno Smith to running back Kenneth Walker III on a short pass on which corner Danny Johnson stumbled and Walker blew through an attempted tackle by safety Percy Butler and generating 64 yards after the catch yet another devastating explosive play given up by the Commanders defense this season how many devastating explosive plays has this defense given up this season it feels like the numbers about 300 uh but boy i mean that was painful what happened right there uh also with the commander's defense in this game, penalties. You know, the commanders for the game had just six accepted penalties, but five were by the defense. The commander's defense on the Seahawks' 11th offensive drive imploded with three costly penalties. Uh, We shall call this the Benjamin St. Juice Drive. Uh, the drive resulted in Gito Smith's second and goal, five-yard shotgun spread-out touchdown pass to receiver Tyler Lockett with 3:47 left in the fourth quarter. Lockett on the play beat corner Benjamin St. Juice, who had a horrendous drive. Uh, the eighth snap of the drive on a fourth and five for the Seahawks at the Commanders' 39. St. Juice committed a six-yard defensive pass interference penalty and covering DK Metcalf. Now, the penalty was perhaps ticky-tack, but, you know, there was enough uh, handsiness by St. Juice to where he put himself at risk for getting called for a penalty. Benjamin St. Juice is handsy, We know that, and that cost him and cost the commanders right there. Then, on the very next snap, you wanted to scream when you saw this. Uh, We got something that is completely inexcusable, especially in Season number four for a defense under the same defensive coordinator in Jack Del Rio. On a first and 10 for the Seahawks at the Commanders 33, the Commanders committed a five-yard, too many men on field penalty. Yes, too many men on the field. The Commanders had 12 Defensive players on the field. And then on the 11th snap of the drive, on a first and 10 for the Seahawks at the Commanders 12, Benjamin St. Juice, a four-yard face mask penalty in tackling Kenneth Walker third on a four-yard under-center handoff run. A terrible drive for Benjamin St. Juice. But this was head coach Ron Rivera during his post-game press conference on Sunday evening on that five-yard too many men on field penalty
3: well we had the 12 man that was that was a mistake okay there was a little confusion you know trying to get it set with the uh with the referees trying to get you know the 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 call straight and then uh guy didn't hear the uh, personnel call and he stayed on unfortunately got us with it
1: Also, we had the ejection of corner Emmanuel Forbes Jr. Uh, The Seahawks' first offensive drive resulted in Jason Myers' first quarter 45-yard field goal, the seventh snap of the drive on a second and 14 for the Seahawks at the Commander's 45. Forbes committed a 15-yard unnecessary roughness penalty for a helmet-to-helmet hit on Tyler Lockett on what was an incompletion and Forbes then got ejected from the game. I think that this took everyone by surprise. Now, look, the penalty, at least to me, was a bad penalty by Emmanuel Forbes. He needed to do a better job of avoiding helmet-to-helmet contact. The rules are the rules. At this point, we all know how games are being called in the NFL. Whether you like the way that games are being called or not, this is the way, and this has been the way for a long time now, is in like a decade plus. Uh, defensive players need to adjust. That said why did Forbes have to be ejected? Like, that seemed way too harsh. That, that seemed way too punitive. I didn't get that at all. Here was Ron Rivera during his postgame press conference on Sunday evening on Emmanuel Forbes getting ejected for that helmet-to-helmet hit.
3: <laughs> well, you know, it, it, it was a helmet-to-helmet. Um, I just don't think it was a vicious one. Um, You know, the guy bounced up and went right back into the huddle, so it just didn't look like it was, you know, and it really most certainly wasn't an intentional one because, you know, he was lowering his target, and and the receiver went down to protect himself at the same time, and that created the helmet-to-helmet. I know the onus is on the defensive player to miss that, but sometimes it's an incidental one. I mean, I I get the helmet-to-helmet call, but I, I struggle with the ejection.
1: Yeah, I think we all do. And then another penalty by the commander's defense, the Seahawks' six offensive drive resulted in the end of the first half, but the second snap of the drive under first and ten for the Seahawks at their 44, Jonathan Allen committed a five-yard defensive holding penalty negating a sack by fellow interior defensive lineman Deron Payne. Five accepted penalties by the commander's defense in this game. Uh, I mentioned the John Allen penalty that negated the Duran Payne sack. The commanders in this game totaled just one sack in five quarterback hits, and the one sack was a scramble sack. Uh, the Seahawks' seventh offensive drive was the opening drive of the second half, resulted in a third quarter three and out third snap of the drive on a third and four for the Seahawks at their 31. John Allen had a sack. Geno Smith for no loss as John tackled Geno As he took off scrambling, yeah, the commander's pass rush in this game was underwhelming. Second time in as many games for the commanders since trading Montez Sweat and Chase Young. That the pass rush was underwhelming. Now, the pass rush uh, did provide an intentional grounding penalty on Geno Smith, so that was good. Uh, That Seahawks' six offensive drive, which resulted in the end of the first half, the seventh snap of the drive, the final snap of the first half on a second quarter, second and 11 for the Seahawks at the Commanders 34. Edge defender Casey Tuhill had a quarterback hit on a play on which Geno Smith was deemed guilty of an intentional grounding penalty for a 10-second runoff in the end of the first half, so that was good. Uh, But, you know, the worst There weren't many other positives for the Commanders' defense in this game. The Commanders did hold the Seahawks to just 4-14 on third down, so that was good. And I thought that linebacker Jamin Davis had a good game. Uh, He had a team-high 11 tackles, including two tackles for loss. Uh, But otherwise, the defense in this game was a problem and gave up way too much. Uh, Something else from the commanders loss at the Seahawks on Sunday, the commanders on their 11th offensive drive were guilty of terrible clock slash timeout management. Now the drive did result in quarterback Sam Howell's third and 10, 35 yard shotgun touchdown pass to receiver Deami Brown with 52 seconds left in the fourth quarter. But you know, that really isn't the point. Like you need to have good process. And especially if you're Ron Rivera, right? And you're coaching for your job, and you're trying to make yourself look good to your boss, the analytically inclined managing partner of the commanders, Josh Harris. How do you think this bad clock slash timeout management comes across to Josh Harris? So we on a second and 10 for the commanders at their 48, had receiver Jamison Crowder with a drop on a shotgun and completion by Sam off him running to his right. And then prior to the next snap was the commanders burning the first of their three second half timeouts due to apparent confusion going into the following play. That is a massive no-no to burn the first of your three precious second-half timeouts for that reason. Then we, on a third and 10 for the Commanders at their 48, had Sam Howell with a nine-yard shotgun completion to running back Antonio Gibson, who, in trying to get the necessary yardage for the first down, did not get out of bounds. Now that's a tricky spot if you're Antonio Gibson. What's more valuable at that point, trying to get the first down or trying to get out of bounds? I would say trying to get the first down because again, that was a third and 10 reception by Gibson. But however you feel, Ron Rivera waited until about 12 seconds had elapsed after the end of the play To call the timeout. I went back and watched this. The play ended with about 140 left in the fourth quarter. Ron did not call the timeout until there was 128 left in the fourth quarter. Now, I suppose you could say that Ron thought that Gibson had made it to being out of bounds, but that was not the case. And you need to get something like that right. And even if you initially get something like that wrong, why does it take you 12 seconds to realize that? and call that timeout. I mean, think about that. From 140 to 128, those 12 precious seconds slipped away. Uh, That is really bad, okay? That is really bad to have something like that happen. And yet something like that did happen. That can't happen. And speaking of things that can't happen, uh these snaps by the cheese man, Cameron Cheeseman, kicker Joey Sly in this game. He went two or two on field goals, but just two or three on extra points. Sly missed the extra point attempt. That followed Sam Howell's first quarter, second, and eight, 51-yard shotgun touchdown pass to running back Brian Robinson Jr. as the ball hit the left upright. Uh, Sly connected on a second quarter 49-yard field goal for a 9-3 commander's lead and Sly connected on a third quarter 47-yard field goal for a 12-9 commander's lead thanks in no small part to a great hold by punter slash holder Tress Way who capably handled a bad snap. By Cameron Cheeseman, uh, as Tress corralled the ball and uh, had it properly turned, laces out as Sly made the kick. Great job by Tress, but here we are again talking about the snapping of the long snapper, the Cheeseman, Cameron Cheeseman. During Ron Rivera's post-game press conference on Sunday evening, had this exchange between Commanders insider J.P. Finley of NBC4 and Ron. What about the
0: high guess Miss uh, a point. Tress had to grab one up out of the air. Yep. Concerned are you about
3: that? I'm not concerned. We got it straightened out at the end when it when it mattered and when it counted. I mean, they all matter. They all count. You know. And uh, again, you know, Tress got it down, and you know, unfortunately, we didn't get the first one.
1: Boy, Ron Rivera does stand by his guy, the Cheese Man, Cameron Cheese But I don't remember ever talking about a long snapper as much as we have talked about it the Cheese Man, And that's not a good thing. Long snappers are like offensive linemen. When you're talking about them, that's usually because they've done something wrong. (laughs) Way too much Cameron Cheeseman conversation these last few months. Well, I am happy to say that at least one of my two underdog fantasy plays for Commander Seahawks came through. Sam Howell, higher than 14.0 and to have rushing yards. Uh, I also went with receiver Terry McLaurin having higher than five receptions. He ended up with four. But Underdog Fantasy is the best and easiest place to play fantasy sports, and it is offering a special offer to listeners of the Al Galdi podcast, a deposit match of up to $100 for all new customers who sign up with the promo code Galdi, my last name, G-A-L-D-I, Galdi. Check out underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app. Underdog Fantasy offers pick 'em games by which you can win up to 20 times on your money in one day and offers pick 'em insurance, which gives you a little wiggle room if you're not as confident in an entry. And when it comes to season long fantasy, Underdog Fantasy offers a zero stress scenario of no waivers, no trades, even no lineup setting. We all know that playing fantasy sports can be ultra time consuming. Well, Underdog Fantasy removes the time consumption but keeps the fun and the potential to win money and take advantage of the free money. If you sign up now with the promo code GALDI, my last name, G-A-L-D-I, GALDI, Underdog Fantasy, will double your first deposit with up to $100 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of at least $10. So in other words, if you deposit $100, you get $100 for free. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code GALDI. Check out underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app N.Y. and in Tennessee, call 1-800-889-9789.
3: Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next? last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday.
1: Hey, we all love the NFL and we all love pizza. So make Little Caesars part of your NFL game day. Little Caesars is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL. Order online during Little Caesars Pizza Pizza pregame, which is one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day Sunday. You can pick your favorite Little Caesars pizza. You can pick the toppings that you crave, kind of like picking players for your fantasy team. Only with Little Caesars pizza, you never lose. And Little Caesars offers convenient delivery as well as the in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the game, Little Caesars Pizza Pizza. Time now to talk college football, but before we get to all that happened on Saturday in terms of games for the FBS teams of the Mid-Atlantic region, I do want to acknowledge the frightening news from this past Saturday morning. So, we this past Thursday night had Virginia in this 2023 season falling to 2 and 8 overall and 1 and 5 in the ACC with a 31-24 loss. At then, number 11, Louisville. On a late third quarter, second and 27 for the Cavaliers at the Louisville 49, Cavs quarterback Anthony Calandria fired a shotgun screen pass to running back Harris Jones, who took a nasty helmet-to-helmet hit and fumbled the ball, but the ball went right to Cavs receiver and Northwestern transfer Malik Washington, who then generated a uh, lengthy fumble return for a touchdown. But Jones ended up being carted off the field. Virginia at 12:28 a.m. Eastern on Friday released a statement saying that Jones had been "quote taken by ambulance to the U of L Medical Center" end quote but had "quote regained movement in all of his extremities after being injured." End quote. Well, Virginia on Saturday morning released a statement saying that Jones, quote, underwent successful spine surgery Friday at the UofL Medical Center. Today, Paris was able to briefly walk. He remains under observation and will be transferred to the Fraser Rehabilitation Institute in Louisville for continued care when his medical team deems appropriate. End quote. Uh, a very concerning situation with Paris Jones, and man, it is amazing how things happen. So this episode of the podcast is from Monday, November 13th. This marks the one-year anniversary of the horrific tragedy of former Virginia running back shooting and killing three Virginia football players, and shooting and wounding two other Virginia students, including another Virginia football player. The three Virginia players who were killed were receiver Lavelle Davis Jr., receiver Devin Chandler, and linebacker slash defensive end Deshaun Perry. The Virginia player who was wounded was running back Mike Collins. So we had that unimaginable occurrence last November, and now we have this Paris Jones situation this November. Uh, Just awful. For Virginia football. I hate to begin the segment with such depressing news, but uh, the news is the news. Uh, we have happier news with James Madison and Liberty. Uh, the good times continue for the Dukes and the Flames. So the latest Associated Press Top 25 poll came out on Sunday afternoon. James Madison moved up three spots to number 18. Liberty stayed at number 25, but wow, the Dukes, JMU, the number 18 team in the FBS. For the latest AP Top 25 poll, James Madison improved to 10-0 overall with a 44-6 win over UConn at Bridgeport Stadium in Harrisonburg, Virginia on Saturday afternoon. UConn is one of the worst teams in the FBS, and the Dukes appropriately pounded the Huskies, uh, although the score at the half was just 13-3. JMU then won the second half 31 three. James Madison put up 503 total net yards of offense, averaged 8.38 yards per play. Duke's quarterback Jordan McLeod, another big game, 33 of 37 for 457 yards, four touchdowns and no interceptions. He took two sacks. McLeod for this season, that was number 18 among all qualified quarterbacks in the FBS in ESPN's total QBR, 75.9 QBR is on a scale of 0 to 100. Also, JMU receiver Reggie Brown, he had nine receptions for 202 yards and two touchdowns. First time ever that a James Madison player had at least 200 receiving yards in a game. And the Dukes defense was good. It held UConn to just six points and just three of 15 on third downs. Uh, The season that James Madison is having is making a mockery of the program not being allowed to play in a bowl game this season due to it being just the Duke's second season as an FBS program. JMU football insider Shane Metlin of the Daily News Record, he this past Tuesday, November 7th, reported that James Madison has delivered a letter to the NCAA Board of Directors chair requesting relief from NCAA bylaws restricting transitioning teams from bowl participation. So we'll see what comes of that. Next up for James Madison, home to Appalachian State this Saturday afternoon at 2. A team that most certainly is going bowling is Liberty. Uh, the Flames improved to 10-0 and 0 overall with a 38-10 win over Old Dominion at Williams Stadium in Lynchburg, Virginia on Saturday afternoon. The Monarchs of Old Dominion, they fell to 4-6 and 6 overall. Liberty averaged 6.59 yards per play, held ODU to just 3.5. 3-7 yards per play. Flames quarterback Caden Salter accounted for five touchdowns. He went 13-22 to 22 for 225 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. He took no sacks, and he had 11 carries for 41 yards. And two touchdowns. Uh, Salter for this season is number nine among all qualified quarterbacks in the FBS in total QBR 82.9. Next up for Liberty, home to UMass this Saturday afternoon at one. And next up for Old Dominion at Georgia Southern this Saturday evening at six. So, James Madison and Liberty won on Saturday. And so did Maryland, Virginia Tech, and Navy. Uh, The Terrapins, four game losing streak, mercifully, (laughs) is over. Uh, they improved to 6-4 overall and 3-4 and in the Big Ten with a 13-10 win at Nebraska on Saturday afternoon. The Terps won on a 24-yard field goal by kicker Jack Howes as time expired in the fourth quarter. Howes went 2-2 two two on field goals. He also connected on a 35-yard field goal with 12-42 left in the fourth quarter. A much-needed win for the Terps, who now are bowl-eligible for a third consecutive season, first time since the 2006 through 2008 seasons that Maryland is bowl eligible in each of three consecutive seasons. And Mike Loxley has become just the fourth Maryland head coach to have the Terps bowl eligible in each of three consecutive seasons, joining Jerry Claiborne, Bobby Ross, and Ralph Regan. Pretty good company right there. Uh, you know, the Terps going from 5-0 and to 5-4 and this season was painful, really painful, but this still can end up being a nice season for the Terps. Uh, now, this win at Nebraska was uh, not a work of art, okay? The Terps won despite committing three second-half turnovers. The Terps won despite having 10 accepted penalties to Nebraska's one. I mean, how about that? Uh, but the Terps defense played really well. The Terps generated five takeaways, including four interceptions. Defensive backs Tarheeb Still and Dante Trader Jr. each had two interceptions. Maryland, in fact, became the first team in the FBS this season to have a game in which each of at least two players had at least two interceptions. So the Terps held Nebraska to just 269 total net yards of offense, just 4.41 yards per play and just 2-9 on third downs, Nebraska in this game played three different quarterbacks. The Terps held those three quarterbacks to combined 86 passing yards over 21 pass attempts. That works out to a yards per pass attempt of just 4.1. Uh, the Terps starting quarterback, Talia Tungabailoa. Uh, he had a decent game. He wasn't great, but he was decent. He went 27-40 for 283 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. He took just one sack. He quarterbacked the Terps team that did score just 13 points, but did go 6-12 on third downs. When you take out the one sack that Talia took, he had four carries for 38 yards. I think that Terps fans like me may just have to accept that this redshirt senior season for Talia Tungavailoa is not the great exclamation mark type season to his collegiate career that we wanted. Um, And I do wonder about Talia moving forward. Like, going into this season, the notion of him getting drafted into the NFL was not far-fetched. Now, who knows? Uh, Terps running back Roman Hemby, he in this win at Nebraska on Saturday afternoon, had 16 carries for 74 yards, but he did have a fourth-quarter loss fumble. And I want to give props to the Terps punter for this game Brendan Segovia, who made his collegiate debut. The Terps' usual punter, Colton Spangler, was out due to injury. Segovia placed each of his three punts inside a 20-yard line, including a late first quarter 35-yard punt to the Nebraska 6 and a second quarter 50-yard punt to the Nebraska 5. Way to go, Brendan Segovia. Uh, next up from Maryland, home to Michigan <laughs> this Saturday at noon. Uh, are there some things happening with Michigan right now. Uh, By the way, Fox's big noon kickoff will be broadcasting live from College Park, Maryland this Saturday. So the Wolverines, uh, they were the number three team in the FBS in the college football playoff rankings that came out last Tuesday evening. Uh, Michigan, of course, is dealing with the suspension of head coach Jim Harbaugh by the Big Ten due to the sign stealing controversy. But the Wolverines are coming off a big win, a 24-15 win At number 10 Penn State on Saturday afternoon, a game in which the Wolverines went with a running play on each of their final 32 offensive plays. Of the game. Speaking of running the ball, boy, did Virginia Tech run the ball on Saturday afternoon. The Hokies improved to five and five overall and four and two in the ACC with a 48-22 win at Boston College on Saturday afternoon. Uh, the Hokies improved to four and two since a one and three start. The Hokies snapped Boston College's five-game winning streak. Uh, the Hokies' offense was outstanding. The Hokies scored 48 points, the program's second most points ever in an ACC road game. The Hokies generated 600 total net yards of offense, marking the first time that the Hokies generated at least 600 total net yards of offense in a road game against a Power 5 conference team since September 11th 1993. It had been more than 30 years since we saw what we saw on Saturday afternoon, uh, the Hokies averaged 8.33 yards per play. The Hokies went seven to fifteen on third downs. The Hokies head coach Brent Pry he went with the Baylor transfer Kyron Drones as the team starting quarterback for an eighth consecutive game, and Drones was great. He went 12 to 17 for 219 yards, two touchdowns, and no interceptions. He took just one sack. When you take out the one sack that Drones took, he had 19 carries for 100. Forty-one yards. Kyron Drones is giving Tech its best quarterback play in years. Uh, hasn't been great in every game. I get that, but still, overall, Kyron Drones doing a lot of good stuff. Brent Pry, in his session with reporters this past Tuesday, November seventh, said, "quote This is Drones's offense right now." And quote, uh, Kyron Drones has supplanted Grant Wells as Tech's QB one. Although Wells did play in this win at Boston College, Tech. Brent Pry ended up playing three quarterbacks in the game, as both Grant Wells and William Pop. Watson the third played in the fourth quarter. Wells had a fourth quarter, third and seven, 60-yard shotgun run on which he had a lost fumble uh, as the ball was fumbled out of the end zone for a touchback for Boston College. But Tech's rushing offense in this game was spectacular. Tech officially had 51 carries for 363 yards and four touchdowns. The 363 total net rushing yards were Tech's most in a game since September 2009. uh, Tech running back and North Carolina A&T transfer Bayshall Tootin, he had 16 carries for 78 yards and three touchdowns. And Tech's defense was good. Uh, Tech held Boston College to just 262 total net yards of offense. Just 4.68 yards per play and just 3 of 12 on third downs and did all of this despite Tech being without safety Jalen Stroman due to injury. Heck, Tech even pulled off a successful onside kick in the first quarter. A lot went well for the Hokies on Saturday afternoon. You know, the Hokies had been 0-4 on the road this season. The combined score of those four losses, 132-53. Uh, nice to get a dominant road win like this 48-22 win at Boston College on Saturday afternoon. Here was Brent Pry during his post-game press conference on Saturday afternoon on if he changed anything with the Hokies' approach to playing on the road.
3: Yeah, we, we, we made some adjustments. We did, a couple, we did something a little different last night, and, um, and then we did some things a little bit different this morning. Uh, I'll probably keep that internally, but we did a few things just to... You know, shake it up just a little bit, and for the most part, you know, we were we stayed on script, but but there's a few subtle changes.
1: All right. Well, whatever those changes were, they worked. Uh, next up for Virginia Tech, home to NC State this Saturday afternoon at three thirty. So the Hokies do remain in contention for bowl eligibility, and so does Navy. The Midshipmen improved to four and five overall and three and three in the American Athletic Conference with a. 31 6 win over UAB at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium in Annapolis, Maryland on Saturday. By the way, this would be the UAB team for which former NFL quarterback and former ESPN NFL analyst Trent Dilfer is head coach. Uh the mids in this game through three quarters led 10-6. The Mids then won the fourth quarter 21-0. A great response by Navy to its terrible 32-18 loss at Temple on November 4th. Uh Navy head coach Brian Newberry for a second consecutive game started Xavier Orline at quarterback. And he played well. Arline went seven to ten passing for ninety-four yards, a touchdown and an interception. He took one sack he quarterback to Navy offense that went six to twelve on Third downs. And our line, when you take out the one sack that he took, had 18 carries for 111 yards and a touchdown, which was a first and 10, 50 yard shotgun option touchdown run with 412 left in the fourth quarter. Understand, Xavier Arline had moved from quarterback to slot back. Now he's back at quarterback and he's back as being the Mid's QB1. Uh, this was Brian Newberry during his postgame press conference on Saturday evening on Xavier line. He's been phenomenal, you know, for a quarterback, um, you know, to take him from being a quarterback to being
4: a slot, that would be a hard thing for a lot of guys to handle, and especially at that position, uh, handle it like a champ. You know, we talk about embracing your role all the time around here, uh, doing things for your teammates. He did that, um, didn't flinch. It was phenomenal, kept leading, kept coming to work every day and uh to see it come kind of full circle so to speak for him and to see him lead us to a win out there is is uh warms my heart and i couldn't be more proud of him and the way he's handled his business this year and um yeah really proud of him
0: do you feel like he's brought a steady hand to uh sorry about that bill wagner from the baltimore sun do you feel like xavier's brought a steady hand to the offense i mean he he read the you know, defense well and distribute the ball the way you would like to see yeah. it in an option yeah. offense. Yeah,
4: absolutely did. Uh, I Thought he made the right reads. You know, he had one pick in the end zone. Like to get that one back. We talked about that one. But outside of that, uh, you know, I thought he played really, really well today. Just his decision making, um, taking care of the football, uh, distributing the ball where it was supposed to go, uh, making the right reads. I thought uh, he was really steady today. Really proud of him.
1: Yeah, good stuff from Xavier Arline. Navy's rushing offense in this win over UAB, really good fullback. Alex Teska got back on track. He had nine carries for 82 yards. Teska, over the previous two games, had 20 carries for just 44 yards. He, for this season through Week 7, was number one among all qualified FBS players in yards per carry at eight-point one one uh, and Navy's defense was great so UAB quarterback Jacob Zeno entered Saturday with some impressive rankings for this season number three among all qualified quarterbacks in the FBS in completions per game at 27.25 number four among all qualified quarterbacks in the FBS in completion percentage at 75.4. Number 10 among all qualified quarterbacks in the FBS in passing yards per game at 298.62. And yet the Mids held Zeno to just 206 passing yards over 36 pass attempts. That works out to a yards per pass attempt of just 5.72. And the Mids held Zeno to no touchdown passes versus two interceptions and sacked him four times. Also, the Mids held UAB to just six of 16 On third downs. Next up for Navy home to East Carolina this Saturday at noon. Well, the college football regular season is winding down. If you would like tickets to say Maryland, Michigan this Saturday at noon or to another game, download the Game Time app and use the promo code ALGaldi for $20 off your first purchase. You know, Game Time on Sunday was offering flash deals on tickets to Maryland, Michigan. You see, when it comes to buying tickets for sports, music, comedy, and theater, the way to go is with the Game Time app. Game Time offers great deals on last minute tickets and has a best price guarantee. So you don't have to worry if you're truly going about getting tickets in the best possible way. The Game Time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price because if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110%. Of the difference. What's also great about Game Time is how easy it makes searching for tickets. You can search by team, venue, or artist. Uh, also, Game Time is the app for last minute ticket deals. You don't have to plan months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. And Game Time also offers flash deals on tickets, like the flash deals that were being offered on Sunday from Maryland, Michigan. And tickets are sent directly to your phone. You never have to dig through your email. GameTime is the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country. Find out why. Get the tickets without the stress with GameTime, which is offering a special deal for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the promo code Al Galdi for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply, but download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the promo code Al Galdi for $20 off your first purchase. Your first purchase. Download the Game Time app and use that promo code AlGaldi. Game Time. Last minute tickets. Lowest price guaranteed. Well, college basketball results in November should be taken not just with a grain of salt, but with like a pound of salt. Uh, I had the privilege in radio of having, as a co-worker for years, the greatest head coach in Georgetown basketball history, John Thompson Jr. And one of the tenets of Coach Thompson was that... <laughs> Few things in sports are as meaningless as November college basketball. He would know having had his Hoyas play St. Leo's for (laughs) all of those years. But anyway, you don't want to read too much into college basketball results in November. That said... It is disappointing and disturbing what happened with Maryland over the weekend. The Terrapins went 0-2 in the 2023 Asheville Championship in Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, What was not some ultra-loaded November college basketball tournament. Friday night, a 64-61 loss to Davidson. The Terps overcame an 8-point deficit with 3.05 left in the second half to tie the game at 61 with 37.8 seconds left on an and-one by Jameer Young, who made the free throw. But the Terps then gave up a contested right corner three by Davidson's Bobby Durkin with 12.7 seconds left. Durkin, a 6'7 true freshman, played for 26 minutes off the bench, went 4-5 on threes, scored 16 points. Sunday afternoon, a 66-63 loss to UAB. Uh, the Terps blew an 11-point first-half lead as they then allowed UAB to go on a 34-11 run. The Terps went from leading by 11 at 27-16 in the first half to trailing by 12 at 50 38 in the second half. Some horrendous shooting by the Terps in these games. The loss to Davidson on Friday night, the Turps went just five of twenty-three on threes, and just fifteen of thirty-four on twos. The loss to UAB on Sunday afternoon, the Terps went just six of twenty-three on threes, just sixteen of thirty-four on twos, and just thirteen of twenty on. On free throws, also the Terps committed 15 turnovers. You know, shooting has been a problem for the Turps and really throughout college basketball for years now. But geez, the Terps over these two games went a combined eleven of forty-six on threes. Uh, the Terps' defense in these two games was pretty good. The loss to Davidson on Friday night, the Terps allowed Davidson to go 8-15 on threes, okay, but held Davidson to just 13-34 on twos and did force 15 turnovers by Davidson. The Terps in this game had eight steals and five blocks. Uh, the loss to UAB on Sunday afternoon, the Terps held UAB to just one of nine on threes and just 21-45 on twos and generated 14 UAB turnovers. The difference in that game was free throws. The Turps went just 13 of 20 on free throws. UAB went 21 of 23 on free throws. A very disappointing game for the 6'9 Julian Reese in that loss to UAB. He fouled out in 28 minutes as a starter. He went just 1 of 4 from the field, all twos and 3 of 4 on free throws. He finished with just 5 points, 4 rebounds, 2 blocks. And no assists versus two turnovers. Now, Reese was good in that loss to Davidson. 35 minutes as a starter. He went 7 12 from the field, all twos. Did go just 2 5 on free throws, but he finished with 16 points, 11 rebounds, including five offensive boards and two blocks. But Julian Reese is arguably the most important player on the Terps. He has had trouble with staying out of foul trouble and uh, clearly. That's still an issue. Uh Dante Scott did have a good game in the loss to UAB. Twenty-six minutes as a starter, two of four on threes, three of six on twos, one of two hot and free throws. He finished with thirteen points, seven rebounds. And two steals. And Jameer Young did some good things in each game over the weekend. Uh, the loss to Davidson on Friday night, Young in 35 minutes as a starter, went three of six on threes and three of three on free throws, but just three of nine on twos. He finished with 18 points and seven assists versus three turnovers. And the loss to UAB on Sunday afternoon, Young in 37 minutes as a starter, just went of four on threes, just four and nine on twos, three of four on free throws. He finished with 14 points, six assists versus three turnovers and six rebounds. Next up for Maryland is a big game at number 22, Villanova, Friday night at 8.30 in the 2023 Gavitt tip-off games. Uh, meantime, Georgetown, it fell to 1-1 one one this season with a 68-67 loss to Holy Cross at Capital One Arena on Saturday night. Tough loss for the Hoyas off their season opening 94-57 win over Lemoyne at Capital One Arena this past Tuesday night in the debut of Ed Cooley as Hoyas head coach. Georgetown played well in that game. The Hoyas in this game on Saturday night blew an 11-point second-half lead. They held a 57-46 lead with less than eight minutes left in the second half, but then got outscored the rest of the game 22-10 as the Hoyas could not stop this guy, Joe Octave. Uh, He's a 6'4 Air Force transfer. Joe Octave uh, was singing in whatever octave uh, that he wanted. Uh, He scored 33 of Holy Cross's 68 points. He and just 36 minutes as a starter scored the 33 points. He went 2 of 5 on threes, 10 of 16 on twos, and 7 of 8 on free throws. Also had 11 rebounds, including 6 offensive boards and 2 assists versus no turnovers. Octave connected on a left wing 3 for a 68-67 Holy Cross lead with 56 seconds left in the second half on what proved to be the game-winning shot. Also hurting the Hoyas was them struggling on free throws. 12 of 19 on free throws. You in a one-point loss missed seven free throw attempts. You know, there's your game right there. 6-9 Fairfield transfer. Supreme Cook, he went just 2-6 on free throws. He, in 32 minutes as a starter, did go 3-6 from the field, all twos. He finished with eight points, 10 rebounds, including six offensive boards and two assists. Versus no turnovers. Yeah, the Hoyas in this game did do some good things. Uh, the Hoyas lost despite going 11-29 on threes versus Holy Cross going just 5-20 on threes. The Hoyas lost despite committing just four turnovers to Holy Cross's 12. Uh, Jaden Epps and Rowan Brumbaugh. Uh, combined to score 39 of the Hoyas, 67 points. Jaden Epps, 6-2 Illinois transfer. He in 38 minutes as a starter went 4 of 11 on threes, 3 of 8 on twos, and 4 of 4 on free throws. He finished with 22 points, three assists versus three turnovers and two steals. And Rowan Brumbaugh, 6-4 Texas transfer. He in 36 minutes as a starter went 3 of 6 on threes, 3 of 5 on twos, and 2 of 2 on free throws. He finished with 17 points, three assists versus no turnovers and two steals. Next up, for Georgetown at Rutgers this Wednesday night at 8.30 in the 2023 Gavitt Tip-Off Games. We on Friday night had both Virginia and Virginia Tech competing in the 2023 Hall of Fame series in Charlotte, North Carolina. The Cavaliers won. Uh, The Hokies lost. Uh, Virginia proved a 2-0 this season with a 73-70 win over Florida. The Cavs blew an 11-point second half lead as they off leading at 54-43 allowed the Gators to go on a 14-1 run for a two-point lead at 57-55, but the Cavs did win the rest of the game, 18-13. The Cavs' defense was good. Uh, They held Florida to just 7 of 25 on threes and to just 19 of 40 on twos and generated 16 turnovers by Florida. The Cavs totaled a whopping 15 steals, Uh, 6-8. Ryan Dunn, he in 32 minutes, 47 seconds as a starter, had seven steals to go with. Six points, eight rebounds, and two assists versus one turnover. He went 0-3 on threes, but 3-4 on twos. He had a game-best plus-minus rating of plus nine. The biggest problem in the game for the Wahoos was their rebounding. They got out-rebounded 47-30, including having just nine offensive rebounds to Florida's 21 and uh, thus just 11 second chance points to Florida's 19. Virginia is not an overwhelmingly big team. In fact, uh, Virginia officially starts five guards. Uh, that's an issue, although the Who's do have some size coming off the bench, uh, namely 6'11 true freshman Blake Buchanan. He, in 26 minutes, 52 seconds off the bench, went 4-7 from the field, all twos, and 10-16 on free throws. He finished with 18 points and seven rebounds, including five Offensive boards. The Who's offense in this game ended up being good enough. 7 of 18 on threes, 19 of 40 on twos, though 14 of 24 on free throws. That was bad, uh, but the Who's committed just six turnovers. Uh, next up for Virginia, two games this week home to North Carolina AT Tuesday night at seven, and home to Texas Southern Thursday night at seven. Virginia should be good this season. UBA, in a vote of select media members, was picked to finish fourth in the 15 team ACC this season virginia tech it fell to 1 and 1 on the season with a 79-77 loss To South Carolina and Charlotte in this uh, 2023 Hall of Fame series on Friday night. The Hokies overcame a nine point second half deficit, but ultimately fell short. Their defense uh, was a problem. The Hokies allowed South Carolina to go 10 to 21 on threes and 21 to 34 on twos. Tech's offense was pretty good. Tech did go just 7 to 22 on threes, but also 19 to 30 on twos, 18 to 22 on free throws, committed just five turnovers. Tech lost despite a big game. From 6'1", Sean Padula, Uh, he had one of the best games of his career. He, in 38 minutes as a starter, scored a career-high 26 points and had a career-high 9 rebounds. He also registered 5 assists versus 2 turnovers. He went 3 of 6 on threes, 4 of 7 on twos, and 9 of 11 on free throws. Next up for Virginia Tech, home to Campbell, Wednesday evening at 6. Tech, in that vote of select media members, was picked to finish 8th in the ACC This season? Well, college basketball getting going means that Thanksgiving is coming. Uh, It is next week, in fact, and our friends at Manscaped want to make it so that your grooming struggles (laughs) are not a topic at the Thanksgiving table. The Manscaped Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra is a revolutionary personal trimmer that will give you the ultimate. Below the waist grooming experience. With Thanksgiving coming up, let the Manscaped Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra gobble, gobble, whatever you want, eliminated below the waist. Uh, and you can have the Manscaped Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra via a great deal. Manscaped is hooking up listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Go to manscaped.com, use the promo code Galdi, and get 20% off plus free shipping. The Manscaped Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra is the best below the waist electric shaver ever. The Manscaped Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra features skin safe blade heads so that you avoid nicks and cuts. The Manscaped Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra Features an LED spotlight so that you don't miss a spot, even in uh, shall we say, low tight situations. And the Manscaped Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra is waterproof, so you can groom wet or dry. Also, you can get the Manscaped Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra as part of Manscaped's Performance Package 5.0 Ultra, which also includes the Weed Whacker 2.0 ear and nose trimmer, Manscaped's liquid formulations, and two free gifts, Manscaped's Boxers 2.0 and the Shed 2.0 toiletry bag. Manscaped products are great. They also make for great gifts, but take advantage of what Manscaped is offering to listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Go to manscaped.com and use the promo code Galdi, my last name, G-A-L-D-I, Galdi, for 20% off plus free shipping. That's manscaped.com, promo code Galdi, for 20% off plus free shipping. Well, the Wizards are currently in the midst of a stretch of three games in four days. The first two games of the stretch uh, have been losses. Uh, Friday night, a 124-117 loss to the Charlotte Hornets at Capital One Arena. And what was the Wizards' second game in the uh, NBA's first ever in-season tournament? The Wizards in this game blew a 16-point second quarter lead and blew an 11-point fourth quarter lead. The Wizards in the fourth quarter allowed the Hornets to go on a 36-16 run taking the Wizards from leading 99-88 to trailing 124-115. Then on Sunday afternoon, the Wizards fell to 2-7 in this 2023-2024 NBA regular season with a 102-94 loss at the Brooklyn Nets. This was an odd game. The Wizards did not hold a single lead over the first three quarters, uh, trailing by as many as 17 points. That was in the first quarter. But the Wizards rallied to take a five-point lead At 92 87 in the fourth quarter, but the Wizards then lost the rest of the game 15 2. Uh, three big things to be aware of from these two games for our rebuilding Wizards over the weekend. Uh, first of all, DeLon Wright got injured and is going to be out for a while. He, in that loss to the Hornets on Friday night, suffered a left knee sprain. The Wizards on Saturday afternoon announced that Wright's injury would, quote, be treated conservatively, end quote, and would, quote, be reevaluated in three weeks, end quote. So he's not going to even be reevaluated until three weeks have passed. Uh, So yeah, DeLon Wright is going to be out for a while. This is a shame. DeLon Wright is a potential trade chip for the Wizards, and he had been playing well right in that loss to the Hornets on Friday night in just 14 minutes, 15 seconds off the bench, had six assists, versus no turnovers and had a Game Best Plus Minus rating of plus 22. He, for this regular season as of games through Friday, was number three among all qualified players in the NBA in steals for 36 minutes at 3.3. By the way, the Wizards' Ryan Rollins was number one at 6.3. Also, the Wizards' rebounding over the weekend was embarrassing. Uh, that loss to the Hornets on Friday night, the Wizards got out-rebounded by the Hornets 67-36. The Wizards had just seven offensive rebounds to the Hornets 28. Yes, the Wizards got quadrupled <laughs> in terms of offensive rebounds. The Wizards had seven second-chance points. To the Hornets, 32. And just to drill a little deeper on all of this, the Wizards allowed 7-foot Hornets center Mark Williams in just 29 minutes, 46 seconds as a starter to have 21 points, 24 rebounds, including a staggering... 15 offensive rebounds, three assists versus no turnovers, and a team best plus minus rating of plus 19. He went 10 to 21 from the field all twos and went one to two on free throws. I highlight Mark Williams in part because the Hornets took Mark Williams with the number 15 overall pick in the 2022 NBA draft, in which the Wizards took Johnny Davis with the number 10 overall pick. Davis in this game on Friday night was a DNPCD, as in did not play due to coach's decision. So Johnny Davis, number 10 overall pick in the 2022 draft, DNPCD. Mark Williams, number 15 overall pick in the 2022 draft, 21 points, 24 rebounds, including 15 offensive boards, 3 assists versus no turnovers, and a team best plus-minus of plus 19. Uh, then in the loss at the Nets on Sunday afternoon, the Wizards got demolished on the boards for a second consecutive game. The Wizards got out-rebounded by the Nets 66-42. The Wizards had just seven offensive rebounds to the Nets 20 and thus just seven second chance points to the Nets 21. that uh, helping was Daniel Gafford suffering a left thumb injury, but he did return to the game. However, therefore the Wizards in that loss at the Nets on Sunday afternoon was a major bright spot. Bilal Kulabali, the man who the Wizards got via the number seven overall pick in the 2023 NBA draft, the man who was in just his age 19 season. He on Sunday afternoon was really good. Bilal Kulabali in 33 minutes, 54 seconds off the bench, went four of seven on threes, four of five on twos, one on free throws. He finished with 20 points, seven rebounds, four steals, and three assists versus two turnovers. The belief with Bilal Kulabali is that he has major upside, but that the upside may take multiple seasons to reach. I'm not going to go crazy over one big game, but really good to see him have a game like this, this early in his rookie season. Next up for the Wizards at the Toronto Raptors, Monday night at 7.30. Well, maybe, just maybe, the Capitals' retool is going to work out after all. Uh, the Caps in this 2023-2024 NHL regular season now are 6-1-1 one, and one, since their 1-3-1 and one start. The Caps over the weekend won each of two road games in regulation on back-to-back days for the first time in just about two years, November 11th and November 12th, 2021, Friday night a 4-2 win at the New Jersey Devils. And what was the Caps' first road game since a 6-4 win at the Devils all the way back on October 25th? The Caps on Friday night did see a 3-0 third period lead get trimmed to 3-2, but held on for the victory. Then Saturday night, a 4-1 win at the New York Islanders. And the Caps won these games despite their number one goaltender, Darcy Kemper, not being available for either game. It turns out that Kemper got hurt in the Caps' 4-3 4-3 overtime loss to the Florida Panthers at Capital One Arena this past Wednesday night. And so the Caps on Friday morning recalled Hunter Shepard from their AHL affiliate, the Hershey Bears. The Caps' usual number two goaltender, Charlie Lingren, was the Cap starting goaltender on Friday night. Shepard was the Cap starting goaltender on Saturday night. And each guy did really well. Lingren in the 4-2 win at the Devils stopped 24 of the 26 shots on goal that he faced. Shepard in the 4-1 win at the Islanders stopped 36 of the 37 shots on goal that he faced, including all 25 of the shots on goal that he faced over the final two periods. Shepard, per natural stat trick, stopped all five of the high-danger shots on goal that he faced, stopped all 10 of the medium-danger shots on goal that he faced, and stopped 20 of the 21 low-danger shots on goal that he faced. The caps for the game per natural stat trick had just 41 five-on-five shot attempts, to the Islanders 87, but the majority of the Islanders shots on goal were low-danger shots on goal, and the camps were outstanding at blocking shots. The camps in this game registered 32 block shots to the Islanders 11. Here was camps head coach Spencer Carberry during his post-game session with reporters on Saturday night on Hunter Shepard.
3: Yeah, un- un- unreal. He um, undefeated, right? That's too... Um, and-, and he was great, and there was a ton like... Their shot attempts are probably through the roof. Um, I'm assuming they're close to whatever it is, call it 80, 90 shot attempts. And for him, like seeing through traffic, tons of bodies, rebounds, stuff around the net, they started to try to use behind the net and stuffs and all. Um, he, he was exceptional tonight and really felt like, especially did a good job on not only the long range stuff that was coming in from the point, but also the stuff in and around the net where there's a ton of scramble stuffs where he held his ground and did a real good job of freezing those situations and just giving us a D zone draw.
1: Yeah, also with the Caps, their penalty kill is rolling right now. The Caps in the 4 2 win at the Devils on Friday night went four of four on the penalty kill. The caps in the four one win at the Islanders on Saturday night went one of one on the penalty kill. The caps during this six one and one stretch are 18 of 18 on the penalty kill. Uh good weekend. The Caps' top-line left wing, Alex Ovechkin. He in the 4-2 win at the Devils on Friday night had a secondary assist, seven total shot attempts and three hits. And Ovi in the 4-1 win at the Islanders on Saturday night scored two goals, an even-strength goal nine eighteen into the first period and an even-strength empty net goal nineteen fifty seven into the third period. He also had a game-high five shots on goal, a team-high seven total shot attempts, a game-high time four hits and two blocked shots. The lack of goals by Ovi Uh, Has been concerning, no doubt, but he has been generating shots. Uh, Alex Ovechkin, over 11 games this regular season, now has four goals. Uh, the Caps top line center Evgeny Kuznetsov, he the 4-2 win at the Devils on Friday night scored two goals, an even strength goal 634 into the second period and an even strength empty net goal 1809 into the third period. And he had a team high nine total shot attempts. He did commit a first period hooking minor and he did go just 4-11 on faceoffs. But Kuzi's even strength goal 634 into the second period was a great hustle goal as he and the Caps top line right wing Tom Wilson outraced the Devils to a loose puck, creating a short ice 2 on breakaway, and Wilson from the right circle passed the puck to Kuzi, who buried a low-slot snapshot for a 3 nothing Caps lead. Wilson on Friday night had two assists. He did commit a third-period roughing minor. Uh, the Caps' fourth-line center Nick Dowd is back. That's good. Uh, he and the 4-2 win at the Devils on Friday night returned from a nine-game absence caused by an upper body injury, and Dowd in the 4-1 win at the Islanders on Saturday night scored a goal. He had an even-strength goal, 13 5 to the second period, uh, and then there is what is going on with Caps defensemen. The Caps defense corps is depleted big time right now, and yet the Caps are winning. But defenseman Martin Fehervari, he in the 4-2 win at the Devils on Friday night, suffered a lower body injury. He did not play in the 4-1 win at the Islanders on Saturday night. Defenseman Trevor van Reemsdyke has not played in a game since suffering a lower body injury in the Caps 2-1 win over the Columbus Blue Jackets at Capital One Arena on November 4th, and Defenseman Joel Edmondson has not played at all this regular season as he's recovering from a fractured hand that he suffered in a team scrimmage on September 24th. And yet still, the Caps in that 4-1 win at the Islanders on Saturday night totaled 32 block shots. Defenseman Lucas Johansson had a team high tying five block shots. Defenseman Rasmus Sandin and Nick Jensen each had four block shots. Also out for the Caps is winger Anthony Mantha. He missed the two games over the weekend uh, due to having taken a puck to the head in that Caps' overtime loss to the Panthers at Capital One Arena this past Wednesday night. The Caps have been getting contributions from a lot of different guys. Heck, consider Nicholas Obey-Kubel. So the Caps on Friday morning recalled Obey-Kubel from Hershey. He hours later in that 4-2 win at the Devils on Friday night as the Caps' fourth-line right wing scored an even-strength goal, 10-22 into the first period, and had the primary assist on an even strength goal by fourth-line left-wing Beck Malenstein, 10-37, into the first period, and then Obey Kubel in the 4-1 win at the Islanders on Saturday night, as the Caps' fourth-line right-wing had the primary assist on the Nick Dowd goal. Uh, An impressive weekend for the Caps. Next up for them, home to the Vegas Golden Knights, Tuesday night at 7. And that will do it. For you and me for now, keep the feedback coming. You can hit me up on X at Algaldi. You can email me the Algaldi Podcast at Yahoo.com. Tuesday show, episode six hundred and ninety-nine. Yes, one episode away from episode seven hundred. Uh we'll have plenty for you on the Commanders as we on Monday expect to have the day after the game press conference of head coach Rod Rivera off his team falling to four and six in this twenty twenty-three NFL regular season with the twenty-nine. 29- 26 walk off loss at the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday. Also on tuesday show, I'll talk Wizards as they are at the Toronto Raptors Monday night at 7 30. a great rest of your Monday, and I'll talk to you on Tuesday. What about the high snaps? Uh, You missed point. Trust that to grab one up out of the air. concerned? Are you about
3: that? I'm not concerned.
5: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium?